Bonnie, anything to add? Uh, no. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. All right, we're set to go. Welcome to episode one of the Heart of the Order podcast brought to you by Thoughts from the Bench. My name is Greg McAfee. I'm hitting in the three hole. Following behind me is Greg Malik hitting in the cleanup spot. And in the five Ooh. spot, we have Dre Fry. Hey. Pitchers and catchers reported earlier today, guys. We have a bunch of baseball news coming to you. This is the baseball podcast brought to you by Thoughts from the Bench. It is new. It is episode one. Dre, how are you feeling? Man, I feel good. Like you said, pitchers and catchers report. We're here, podcast one. I there's not there's not a reason not to smile right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dre, your optimism is just beautiful today. It's an, it's infectious. I don't even know what to make of it. I am right there with you. Pitchers and catchers finally reported. It's a great day to be a baseball fan. We're finally getting back to the sport that we love. We are two months away from opening day, and I can feel the energy going already. It's the best. Inject it. It's literally the best time of the year, guys. I don't know if you saw my story today. I woke up at four, like I woke up at like 4 a.m. this morning, guys, and I couldn't fall back asleep. The only thing running through my brain was baseball. I was like, the pitchers and catchers are reporting today. Red Sox are defending the World Series title. Let's go. This is this is a great day. This is going to be a great day today, guys. Um, yeah, you're running off that World Series oh, high. Yeah, I'm so. ready to go, baby. Ride I'm that. ready to go. We yeah. brought back pretty much the whole roster. Craig Kimbrell's still out there in free agency void somewhere. Who knows if he'll come back? But mm-hmm. I'm excited. Tw- I'm excited for this, guys. It was, it was a great day. But a couple weeks ago was another great day. Um, our fearless leader at thought from thoughts from the bench, you know, brought me, Dre, and Greg together. Um, we share a uh, a great love of baseball, and for a while, uh, thoughts from the bench is trying to has been trying to, you know, produce a baseball podcast, and we finally brought our three great minds together, and here you have Heart of the Order. So, just to kind of start off, give you guys a background of who we are, and why we love the sport of baseball. Um, Greg, why don't you, why don't you start us off? Yeah, lead us off here, Malik. <laughs> oh, man. Putting the, put the cleanup hitter in this. What is this, yep, the second yep. inning? You're, Damn. You're, you're supposed to be the best hitter, you know? you got to get us start us off. To be yeah, fair, the, runs, baby. I, I, I am. I'm also kind of the cheap guy, too, because I'm the one that just, you know, gets all the easy RBIs and stuff, you know that? So mm-hmm. I, I like it. I like it. I'm the cheap person in this group. So that's a good way to define <laughs> me. Uh, well, for both of you who already know, baseball is – it's one of those things that – if you know it, you love it. If you don't get it, then it's hard to explain it to you. It's hard to get people to become invested in baseball. You honestly have to start at a super young age before you can really appreciate the game. One of my earliest memories of baseball was me being five years old and watching my brother play a t-ball game. And the biggest thing that I remember in my head was I want to do that. And then as year started going on and I started playing baseball, I became attracted to my local baseball team, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates. First game I ever went to, I was, believe, 
seven years old for some reason i was sitting in a box i don't know the circumstances of it it was very very weird maybe some sketchy stuff went on i don't know but i just remember sitting in the box <laughs> i remember staring down at uh three river stadium and i remember watching jason kendall come up to the plate and i was hooked there there's no other way to explain it i was hooked uh i have had a love and a hunger for baseball for as long as i can remember it's one of those things where six months of the year i can go to pnc park and i can be content i have vacations that i build around baseball that involves me my dad and my brother it's the passion that all three of us share it's the first thing that i fell in love with that me and my dad had a common bond with and it's something that connects me with my family for for the longest time so it's one of those things that baseball can really bring generations of people together and if you once you understand it and once you're bit you're set for life man baseball's just one of those things that it's something that's in my heart and it will never leave me i feel you there i mean greg when you know when i was younger i i think i gained a greater appreciation for it um as i uh as i started playing the game um i mean at first it was just little league and you know modified baseball and babe ruth baseball and just kind of you know going through the motions and things like that but as you get older you start to learn more about the game and my my situation was kind of unique to where my whole family played golf no one no one in my family played baseball my brother played baseball until the end of little league and then everyone else played golf but they loved the sport of baseball they watched it the yankees um, they were all Yankees fans, so the fact that I'm a Red Sox fan is really, really, really weird. Um, <laughs> you like the black sheep of your family, right? Like yeah, you. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Um, um, so every year when you know the Yankees and the the Red Sox go after each other, um, I normally don't have any bragging rights. But you know, for the past couple of years, I've uh, I've had those bragging rights. But you know, as I kind of got older, um, I gained a greater appreciation for it because you, the more you, the more you know about the sport, the more you learn about the sport the more um, special it becomes, I think. Um, the the situations that are involved in the sport when, you know, uh, a pitcher has a 3-2 count and you think that he would have to, you know, throw a ball in the strike zone, but he throws a breaking ball in the dirt and the batter swings at it. Um, or when a shortstop and a, a second baseman twist a double play or an outfielder, you know, catches a pot fly and throws a guy out at home. Um, those those are some of my uh, my favorite moments in baseball, and those those are kind of how I, I gained a, a appreciation for the sport. And when you see these major league players um, kind of go out and give it their all and have fun, you know, being able to succeed in a sport to where you it's such a it's such a mental battle. Um, you know, a, a a great player in baseball is considered you know being able to go three for ten at the plate if you think about it in the long run. I mean, batting 300 is a huge success in baseball, and, you know, majority of the time you're failing. Um, so it's just it's thinking of things like that um, to where, you know, I had to gain uh, an appreciation for the sport kind of by myself. Um, I mean, I was able to watch games with my, my grandpa and my brother and things like that, but it's, it's different when you, you're kind of playing the game by yourself. You know, I throughout the teams, um, you know, it's, it's kind of – a lot of my friends are through through baseball, playing baseball, things like that. Um, so it's just kind of how you know I gained a great appreciation for the sport over many many years, and it's bec- like my goal is to cover a major league baseball team when I grow up. Um, I mean, when I you know get into my older ages, I want to be able to vote on the Hall of Fame one day. Um, 
things like Good, that. Good, because I mean, they need voters like you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah, no kidding. Um, so we guys, we we saved um, Dre over here for last because you know when we first talked about this topic, he came out. And he's like, guys, I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you cry. I'm gonna make you cry. <laughs> the re- the reason I love baseball is gonna make you cry. So uh, Dre, bring on the tears, man. Come on. Yeah, uh, bring the waterworks, baby. I'll do my best, but uh, you know I know you guys and a lot of people who love baseball. Uh, they started, you know, they started the love of the game because they uh, played. Uh, for me. Uh, the only sport I really played was football. So my love for baseball is kind of weird, but you know, uh, some of the best memories I ever had was when it's me, it's me and then my two brothers. And during the summers, we'd have the same routine. We'd wake up, we'd eat breakfast, we'd go outside, you know, and we'd play baseball, just us three, you know, uh, you know, it was usually me and my older brother on a team. Cause I was the smallest versus, uh, my twin. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw or met my twin brother, Aaron. Uh, kind of an athlete, so he can hold his own, you know. So that's fine that we kind of ganged up on him. But, uh, you know, we'd go out there, we'd play till lunch. And then when lunch came, we'd sit there, relax, and we'd go outside, and then we'd play again. And we'd sit down and watch the Pirates. And it's all kind of started in 97, uh, where it was myself, you know, my two brothers, and my extended family with my aunts. And my cousins, uh, we'd go over to, we went to uh, Three Rivers in 97 for the home opener. That was my first baseball game, I believe, uh, versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, actually. We didn't win. And, you know, beating Pittsburgh, you know, you're used to hearing that, especially around the 90s. But uh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't win that game. Uh, we got blown out, sadly. But uh, the things I'll always take away from that game, because that was really the first official day I fell in love with baseball. You go in the Surrey Rivers, you feel the magic, you feel the energy in the air. Uh, you see the groundskeepers kind of working on the field, wedding and everything, and then the players just walking around. I actually got a ball pre-game, which was nice, because, you know, I'm sitting there looking over the railing. You're like, as a kid, you know, you're all bug-eyed. You're sitting there looking at everything, looking at all the people flowing, things like that. And I look down, one of the players, he yells up at me, and he throws me a baseball. And, you know, I caught it. It was awesome. And, you know, that kind of – it's moments like that that really make kids love the game of baseball. And you sit there, and I think about, like, myself as a kid, and I put myself in the shoes of, you know, like those uh, kids uh, when Andrew McCutcheon and the Pirates played the Atlanta Braves, whenever after the game they're sitting there in the outfield and he gave them the batter gloves, and, you know, they're yelling out, like, you're my favorite player, like, I love him. And, like, I felt – I truly felt that. Because I was that kid once, and, you know, they're going to remember that moment for the rest of their lives. And they're going to love baseball because of that moment for the rest of their lives. And that's why I love baseball. Same routine and everything. Now, as I got older, you start to grow a more appreciation for the game. You're not just out there swinging a bat and throwing. You realize, like, it really is a true thinking man's game. It's not checkers. It's not, like, football where it's constant up and down, you know, intervals. It's it's a chess match because you have the game within the game. You know, you got to be able to read the ball off the, off the uh, pitcher's hands in order to react to hit it. And you only have like 0.2 seconds to really decide if it's going to be a ball or a strike. It's crazy. If you think about the time that the ball goes from the pitcher's mound to home plate in order to react, whether they're going to swing or not, they say hitting a fastball is one of the hardest things to do outside of driving a a golf ball straight, which I'm sure Mac, you can relate being in a golf family and now oh, you yeah. being a baseball guy. 
it's, it's tough, but you see, you know, you watch World Series and things like that. You see pitchers, you know, being interchanged. You have the lefty specialists, you know, come in, you know, for one batter and things like that. Pinch hitting. Like it's, it truly is a beautiful game. And the way that it's advanced, the way it's advanced for me from when I was a kid to where I am now, you know, the way, I, I just feel like every year when we get to this day with pitchers and catchers, I just feel like that kid again, that six-year-old kid, that five-year-old kid that, uh, you know, really grew, really felt the love for the game. It's, it's incredible to say the least. So I'm just glad to be. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I hope you guys brought your tissues. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. I need tissues. <laughs> but all all of that love, all of that baseball love is coming to fruition on a day like today where pitchers and catchers around the major league, some will report today, some will report tomorrow, but it is officially the best time of the year again, at least in my opinion. I don't know about you guys, but baseball is officially back. And it's a oh, day it's that I look forward to every single day year unfortunately leading into the beginning of the season there will be close to a hundred free agents that are still unsigned less than a week away from when full teams report guys you want to break this down for our listeners a little bit Dre, I feel like you're going to be the one that's going to have a much better rant about this. I think this should be your first rant on our podcast. So by all means, go ahead. <laughs> it's simple guys. It's, it's so simple that I can summarize it in two words. Should, should, Broken we, should, we, should we break system. down who's who's not signed yet, though? I guess I should have done that first. So guys well, like, uh, go ahead. Guys like Bryce. Just... Guys like all right. So big names like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Dallas Keuchel. Um, I mean, just to kind of put it in to perspective, Justin Verlander, who is a starting pitcher for the Houston Astros earlier this week, basically summed it up in one tweet. 140 characters. Dre, I'm sure we'll expand on this next, but this is kind of to set it up. 100 or so free agents left unsigned. System and broke. System is broken. They blame rebuilding, but that's BS. You're telling me you couldn't sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado for 10 years and go from there? Seems like a good place to start and rebuild to me. 26 to 36 is a great performance window, too. Oh, absolutely. 26 to 36 is the prime for a lot of baseball players. Mm-hmm. I'm so, still surprised yeah. those two aren't signed. Like, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's, sho- it, it's shocking. And when you break down the tweet and kind of assess what he's saying, uh, I'm just going to look at the age 26 to 36 window uh, because Verlander has had that window where he's been extremely successful. Now, you got to keep in mind he's a pitcher, so it's a little bit different than hitters. But if you sign a guy to the contract that they're asking for, which is 10 years, you're going to get the value of that contract probably in their age 33 season because they're still so good for hitting. They may not hit for power, but they're still going to knock the ball all over the place. And all you got to do is kind of adjust for that. Like if Bryce, Bryce Harper's going to end up hitting in the two hole eventually once he starts his decline. So I can be able to anchor an offense anymore. And that's fine because you still know what you're getting out of him. He hustles every play you get. You get uh, stolen bases. You get exceptional outfielder. Uh, and right now, like, you know, it's baffling to me that him and Manny Machado are both unsigned, even with the contracts that they're expecting or that they're asking for. Uh, it truly is a broken system. But I mean, and just- what's kind of interesting too is that 
any player, you could arguably protect yourself in that case where you don't even have to pay out the entire contract if you want to. You could realistically put in player options or even team options to get rid of yourself or buy out of that contract if you want to. I mean, I, I don't I could potentially see where a lot of agents might look at that and realize, well, we want the 10 year contract, but putting in that option is might might be the kicker for it. But then you can also see from the player perspective where it's like, well, if you give us the option, then I could easily bolt out and then I'll go get myself a bigger contract if I want to. So it, yeah. it, it is somewhat of a broken system, but it's definitely something that I'm surprised more teams are not taking advantage of with the option route, because that could be your best friend in a lot of instances when, when it comes to that. Oh yeah. Well, we're... especially if there's, if there's options on both sides, like, I mean, if, I mean, obviously a player wants to have options throughout his contract. I mean, if he goes through the first four or five years of his contract setting career high numbers, he's going to want to opt out and renegotiate that contract in order to make more money. Biggest example of it was Clayton Kershaw this past year. Kershaw opted out of his contract and he became a free agent, but yet he still came back to the Dodgers. He signed a three-year contract and now he's making 30 mil per season. Mm -hmm. So, and. And another example is a Giancarlo Stanton contract. When everyone looked at that, they were like, how can you offer somebody 10 years, $325 million? Specifically, how can the Marlins offer that? Well, they only offered it because, A, he was worth it, and, B, they protected themselves with the off the player option or the team option, where uh, in year four, it could decline it, and he could go and test for agency again and see if he can get another contract. But by the time the option came, he would have been 28 years old, which means he's still smack dab in the prime of his career. Mm. I mean, just to kind of just to kind of play a little devil's advocate, because I kind of want to see what you guys think about this. In the past, when have these long-term eight, nine, ten-year contracts actually paid off? I mean, a few names that kind of come to mind for me are Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, or two. Josh Hamilton is the third one who all signed like kind of long-term deals. And after about, I feel like after two years, they kind of fell off a cliff. I mean, A-Rod had a great season in his last year, but Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton kind of like went bamoosh, it seems like. A-Rod's the only one you can really say that has been successful. Mm-hmm. And he's had two, two 10-year contracts, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is, which is awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome for him. Uh, 275, I think, was one, and then the other one was 252 uh, total M's, total mil. But uh, when you think about the other contracts, guys like Pujols, even a guy like Robinson Cano right now who's entering the back end of that deal. Oh, that, uh, that Robinson Cano contract was just so bad. I forgot. Such <laughs> so a bad deal. It's awful. And, you know, he's putting up the numbers. But like uh, my argument with Bryce Harper, he's not hitting for power, and they expect him to up there in Seattle. I mean, he still gets on base at a good club. He still hits for average. But with a guy making that kind of money, expect him to hit homers. That's not, and that's not hitter's park, though, either. Safety yeah. Safe so goes it, in the hitter's park. It's not. And it's tough, you know, whenever you're – it's tough whenever you're older to live up to that contract. Those guys, specifically, those contracts all came age 31 or greater, like in age. You're talking about with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, you're talking about two 26-year-old guys that are still not even in the prime of their career yet, and they're putting up MVP-type numbers every single season. Yeah, and also another thing to look at that, too, is both of the teams that gave them the contracts, too, the Angels and the Texas Rangers. Uh, The Angels were never 
a franchise that was well known when it came to using advanced analytics and you know cost guys. effective they did it for Pujols and Hamilton too, which is ridiculous. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Angels, the Angels might have been one of the worst teams when it came to using the modern techniques of baseball to be able to supplement you know productivity with the actual talent that you have around him. So I'm willing to kind of bet it was also the idea that your general manager and your owner just didn't know what the hell they were doing, and that probably led to it as well. But, Dre, I, I was ready for you to bring up that point, too, is that when both of these guys signed their contracts, they were well, they were about a year past their prime at that point. Too. Yeah, they're so, over the hill. Right, they were over the hill. I mean, so produced, I, I mean is Josh Hamilton even on a roster anymore? No, 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 him, and and we don't want to get into this story about Josh Hamilton, but it, it is a it is a valid valid argument that maybe the reason that a lot of teams are too afraid to make these kinds of deals is because of seeing big contracts like that that came and just blew up in a lot of people's faces. But then the other argument comes to the point where you got to look at the players when they signed that contract. Albert Pujols was slowly starting to decline for the Cardinals when he made that deal, just like Josh Hamilton was getting supplanted by a young by a young Rangers team that was starting to not need him as much anymore. So if you look at it, and in a weird way, it's kind of also happening with Machado and and Bryce Harper. If you look at the Nationals, they don't even need Bryce Harper in that outfield anymore. They have some very young up-and-coming players that could equal the amount of productivity that they do. And just like for Machado, when he got traded to the Dodgers, Dodgers don't need him in that infield anymore either because you finally got Corey Seager and all these other great infielders that they can plug and play with no issue whatsoever. So looking at both of them, it's a weird situation where you can't go back to the team that you previously had because they don't necessarily need you. But it's also kind of hard to find teams that are willing to give them that big contract because there's that big fear now moving forward of what happened the last time big contracts like that were getting pushed out. Yeah, but I mean, if he, yeah, I felt like I felt like Manny Machado was basically just like a, uh, you know, I mean, he's going to come in and plug this hole at shortstop for us, and then Corey Seager's going to be back next year. So even if he doesn't sign back, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it also weird for me to think that Machado just kind of when he was with the Dodgers, he didn't really, he wasn't much of a difference maker. He was kind of just there. Yeah, yeah, no, I no, completely I felt agree. That too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, day after day after day, the. Uh, him striking out on the last pitch of the World Series and going down to a knee like Adrian Beltre, um, was it sticks in my mind all the time. It was great to see because I hate Manny Machado. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's but we want to point this out too. It, like when we watch them go through free agency, we're not bashing them because you know we we might not like them as certain players. It's still the fact though that these are guys who are in the prime of their careers, who have shown success on the big stages, who are known to be quality middle-of-the-order bats that can be wonders for your team. So it really is just kind of a, a shock to the system that they're just nowhere to be found right now with pitchers and catchers reporting. I look I look at a team like the Atlanta Braves right now, and I see a team that made the playoffs last year that probably arrived a year early. Oh, absolutely. You look at who they have on their roster right now. They signed Josh Donaldson to a one-year deal playing third. They have Dansby Swanson uh, playing shortstop. You know, Ozzy El- uh, Elbies, he's one of the guys that, in my opinion, arrived a year early. But mm-hmm. he was an all, you know, he was an all-star playing second base. You got Freeman at first. All right, that's just that's just the infield right now. You look at the outfield. I look at Acuna. Uh, you know, the next big uh, thing. Ronald Acuna is amazing. Yes. yes. 
for the Lakers. Dark, Dark Horse so MVP candidate this year, by the way. Yeah, just that, I, I like that. I like that. I like that pick. Um, and then you look at uh, NCRTA, who I believe is their center fielder, and Mark Higgison, right? You're, you can't sit here and tell me that if you're the Braves, you should not sign Bryce Harper and throw him in right field because not only do you make your team instant World Series favorites, you make them NL East favorites, and you weaken you weaken the Washington Nationals, who are essentially just let Bryce Harper walk, and you take him out of that lineup and you insert him in your own, and you become the class of the NL East, probably the class of the National League, and you automatically are mentioned at the top of the league with the Red Sox and Yankees as World Series favorites. No, that's a good point. Like, why why aren't the Braves in like conversations for Bryce Harper? Like, why haven't? Like, I don't understand. I mean, I know the Giants like just came on late, but like. The Braves should be in there. Like, First off, Gi- Giants are a bad, bad, bad pick for Bryce Harper. Yeah, that is if, not where you want to go. If he if he wants to win, the Giants are in a bad option right there because no, the Giants I mean, are Giants are a sinking ship right there. Yeah, they but, make the I mean, I they make the least movie. amount of sense. Yeah, but I I would not be surprised if the Braves make a late push because he fits perfectly there. But if you look at the Braves situation, they have so much young talent on that roster that are still making barely league average like i'm pretty sure some of them haven't even hit arbitration yet and then that that system that they have to back it up with the amount of pitching that they have i mean my god they're set for years now moving forward with the amount of talent that they have coming up there that maybe they just look at it where it's like we don't necessarily need him and i mean i I can see their argument from that because they're using the they're using the fact that they won division last year with the same talent that they have on this roster right there and they arrived a year early you put that experience now behind them maybe they think they don't necessarily need bryce harper to plant it so i, I could see that logic but then i also see the idea where yeah i'm in agreement with dre if you put him in right field with that amazing lineup that you have that you just discussed that's nasty do you think they have the pitching to get it done again though uh right now maybe because I think Gaussman and uh, Fultonwitz are actually a decent one-two pairing. I think Fultonwitz kind of played above his head a little bit, but I think they have some great depth on that on that uh, rotation right now. I still like uh, Tehran a lot. I think he kind of took mean, a I slight like step. Yeah, yeah I think Te- Tehran's always kind of had like that weird up and down situation for me, but up and down years for me. But I think he he can be a really good three starter, especially in that rotation. Mm-hmm. So I I think I think the line I think the rotation will be just fine. Just to kind of um, close out this this free agent conversation, um, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, let me get your guys' predictions on where you think they'll land when it comes down to it. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Manny Machado ends up in Philly. Uh, I know they have young shorts up there and JP Crawford, and uh, they got third baseman Michael Franco, but. Uh, to me, they're not Manny Machado and Franco. J- J- J.P. Crawford's in Seattle, man. Oh, yeah. Wait, he got traded, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, so they have a hole there at shortstop. They have, no, no. They, they have, have John they... Segura. Yeah. Oh, well, they could shift him over to second base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. I mean, they could do that. I mean, there's basically what I'm saying is with Manny, there's a hole there to fill in the infield. And I, I still, in my gut, want to believe that the Nationals are going to end up with him and the Braves are going to regret it. The Nationals are going to end up with a Brace Harper. And because as of right now, they're the only team that's offered anything from what I've seen. They're the only team that's offered $300 million, which is the most money I've seen uh, offered to 
either him or Machado this far. So I think he ends up back there. I think the Nationals would not do it because their outfield right now is Adam Eaton, Victor, Robles, and Juan Soto, which is a young and very productive outfield that I think they are going to be just fine with where they don't necessarily need Harper. I like the Phillies pick. I like it for Harper more than Machado. I think Harper in right field there would make a ton of sense. Uh, they just made a trade for J2 Rio Muto, who's going to be a nice little pickup for them in the middle of that lineup. And I think you put Harper there to add to a very young uh, infield with uh, Rice Hawkins and uh, Odubel Herrera and all those guys. I, I think it would be a very, very good pickup for him. As for Manny Machado, I feel like in my gut is telling me that he's going to end up with the White Sox, even though I personally think it wouldn't be a good pickup because they have a very, very young uh, middle infield duo right there that I think they would be taking some playing time away from them if they did that. But I think it's their own. It's the only franchise that I think I've seen that has been a serious shooter for Manny Machado during this upcoming free agent pursuit. So I feel like that's where he's going to settle and end up. Yeah, and when you look at, well, I know we talked about the Atlanta Braves and uh, signing Bryce Harper, but you know Atlanta's not the only team that could use their services. There are plenty of other teams that are, have competed or are right on the fence or on the outside looking in that could use both the services of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Far buckers included, and I know I've been vocal on Twitter about it. Very vocal, <laughs> and it's 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 more so it, it's a hundred percent a pipe dream because I know how they operate. I know how the I know how the system works. Uh, especially for people who pirates. don't know, for people who don't know, he legit has Manny Machado in a pirate hat as his actual Twitter <laughs> yeah. picture. So follow that, me, that's, follow that's me how outspoken he is. Dre, in your eyes, who's more realistic for the Pirates, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? Oh, it's 100% Manny Machado. Uh, he's the most realistic option because uh, with the Pirates, they don't have they don't have a solidified shortstop. They have Eric Gonzalez they just picked up from the Cleveland Indians this offseason. And then they have Kevin Newman, who, in my, in my opinion, uh, is nowhere near ready to even play Major League Baseball. Uh, so for him, Manny Machado, to sign with the Pirates, he automatically gets that spot. He gets a spot in the lineup. Uh, he becomes the instant face of the franchise because he's and much he more And he Tucker, too. He does, but you can shift Cole Tucker over to second base and not have to worry about his previous injury concerns because, like Corey Seager this year, I believe Cole Tucker uh, got Tommy John surgery in his second year of the uh, Pirates system. So you don't have to worry about that. You shift him over to second, put Machado at short, and you have your middle infielder of the future and current. And not only do you get all those factors, but you fill up the ballpark. People want people in this town want people in this town want a winner. And if you sign Machado, that says we're ready to go. They have the perfect storm. They have so many people that are still in a rookie deal. It's like it makes so much sense for them to do this. And you can protect yourself with an opt-out clause if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you wouldn't have to worry about it if he hops if he opts out himself to try and seek another contract. I'm really glad that I'm really glad I talked about the option deals because I'm guarantee you that's going to be something that's going to be sticking in your head moving forward now. Oh, yeah. And I've always, always thought about the option deals, especially when Stanton did it, uh, because I instantly thought 10 years, $325 million. If you're the Marlins, that's dumb. 
You should never commit to that because he would have been age 36, 37. And I know it sounds contradictory, but if you opt out at your age 30 season, then you could still get a five, six year deal if you've produced in those last four years from your age 26 season. Still get another long term deal and you can get guaranteed money and you still have the same security that you're looking for that Major League Baseball allows you to have with the capless league. Trey's Rain of the Week version two in episode <laughs> one. <laughs> um, I'm just, so just, I'm just, I mean, just kind of going that. back to Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. I agree with Malik. I think Bryce Harper is going to end up in Philly. I think that's the best fit for him right now after their trade for Rio Muto and just kind of all the young talent they have. I honestly think Manny Machado might end up on the Yankees. Um, they've kind of made a late push here recently, um, you know, checking in on them every week and things like that. I think the White Sox are the other team that are going to be there for him. Um, I think it's going to be interesting as it comes down to it, though. It's going to be real, real interesting. Yeah, with pitchers and catchers here, I mean, the time's ticking. Time's beyond ticking. So, just to kind of put it in a little bit, little bit of perspective, last year, JD Martinez was one of the biggest free agents to wait to sign, and he didn't sign until February nineteenth. So. We still have a little bit of time to where to, to kind of look in that time frame, I guess. Um, but I, they they got to sign before teams report. I feel like like this it's just not right to you know go into spring training with a hundred free agents still signed, especially when names like Dallas Keuchel and Adam Jones and Mike Mustakis and Evan Gaddis and Bartolo Colon. Big sexy. Oh my is god! I got. I had. You just had to throw him in there. He's still out there. He's like 41, 42 years old. He's got to weigh like three hundred pounds, but he's. Oh, he's dealing. older than that. He's, he's forty-five. He's dealing. Though. Oh my god! <laughs> I think uh, he's still big, dealing. I think the biggest thing he said there for me is Dallas Keuchel, just because he's a pitcher and he's a lefty. And lefties that win Cy Young awards, uh, you know, they don't grow on trees. And with the demand of pitching, he should have easily been signed already. The fact he's not, again, just speaks more to the broken system that is Major League Baseball. I think all, all these teams are waiting for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to sign. And like, Every single one of them. And there's like a game inside a game going on, too, because Bryce Harper is waiting for Manny Machado to sign, and Manny Machado is waiting for Bryce Harper to sign. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's a fair point because a lot of them are waiting for how the market is officially set at that point because yeah. once that first domino hits – it, the floodgates will open, but it's weird to think that because you would have thought that it would have happened when AJ Pollock signed with the Dodgers. Cause I feel like that would have been the barometer to realize, Hey, Pollock, who is arguably a five tool center fielder. I, in my personal opinion, I think when healthy, he's a five tool center fielder. I he makes, I, I believe he makes what? 12 mil now a year yeah. on that contract with the Dodgers. So that should have been enough to, for Bryce Harper to point to and been like, Hey, this guy's making 12 mil a year. He's had injury issues. I deserve much more than that. He's like what, thirty something, right? Pollock's like thirty something, yeah. yeah. Gold glove winner. Yeah, was, I mean, he was solid for the Diamondbacks. He's just he couldn't stay healthy, to be honest. Gold glove like, winner, like man. He said, he's yeah. he's good. He was a five yeah. tool. He just couldn't stay healthy. But I mean, rosters are bound to change in the next two weeks, guys. They're bound oh, absolutely. To they're gonna they're look, not... they're gonna look completely different than what they look like right now. But just kind of looking at the rosters. Um, is that where, where what are you interested in seeing this year? You know, how do you think things are going to play out? Is there any specific storylines that you guys are looking out for um, that our listeners should be intrigued by as we um, go into the first couple weeks of spring training? 
The one that I'm really looking forward to is I'm looking at the Mets. And the reason I'm looking at the Mets in particular is because I'm interested to see how the first base situation is working out for them. Because they have two guys on their major league roster who arguably are probably they're going to split time there. You have Todd Frazier, who's a steady veteran presence, and then you have Dominic Smith, who was a former top prospect, uh, kind of worked his way up to the majors, hasn't really lit the world on fire, but still has some potential going on there. But then looking, lurking his way in AAA right now is Peter Alonzo, one of the, arguably the best first base prospect in all of baseball. And I could really see him making a push in spring training to get a spot on the Mets lineup. The Mets have a very, very weird dynamic going on in their lineup. They spent big. They got Robinson Cano in there to play second base. Uh, they still have uh, Brandon Nemo and uh, some other and t- Michael Conforto, who are some solid young pieces there. I would not be surprised if Alonzo puts up some solid numbers in spring training to the point where it gets to they can't ignore him. And I would not be surprised in the slice of Pierre Alonzo as the starting first baseman for the Mets. The Mets are going to be really interesting this year. They could, I feel like they could be like really good or mm-hmm. be a complete like just shit show. Much. I think the NL East is going to be deceptively strong. I know Dre kind of talked about that a while ago, but I'm starting to like come around the bandwagon on this one, that the NL East is going to be very, very interesting to watch this year. I think the Marlins, I know a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to them. They, ha- they still have some young guys on there that I think are going to be interested in seeing and watching mm-hmm. how they perform. But, a- but after the fact, I think those four teams are going to be in for a fun dogfight to see who t- comes to the top of that pack. I mean, I think there's a lot of good divisions in the National League right now. The, the East is one of them. I mean, you have the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, the Mets. Like, that's going to be a dogfight. Um, I mean, I Absolutely. wouldn't be super, Like, it, it could literally turn out to be where the two wildcard teams, both of them could come from the East, both of them could come from the Central. Like, it literally could turn out that way. I don't think – the Diamondbacks are going to be very good this year. I think the Dodgers are going to walk away with that division. Um, and what about think... the Rockies? Huh? What about the Rockies? How do you feel about them? Do you think they can repeat? Uh, they they could be all right. I, I they could they could decent they could be all right. They're they're kind. Of, I feel like they're kind of like a. a I team... feel like the rotation was a one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah, I can agree yeah. with that statement. I love I love their lineup, but I feel like the rotation just like. I don't know. I feel like they played in over their heads. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like John Gray and stuff, but I feel like German Marquez is not someone who I can trust to be my number two starter. So it's like it's one of those situations where I am a little leery to to trust them. So, uh, but we'll see how it goes moving forward for them. They they did find their ace in Kyle Freeland, and he's not. He's the guy I didn't Mm -hmm. think would be the ace. I thought it would have been John Gray, especially when they drafted him. But Kyle Freeland really emerged last year. Uh, I believe he even got some Cy Young votes. So, uh, you know, was, yeah, he was a quiet, very, very quiet piece for them last year. Yeah, so I, I can agree with that, Trey. They, I mean, they have an underrated pickup in Daniel Murphy, and you put him there in that ballpark where the Rockies have the, and I mean the home field advantage. Uh, you put him there uh, with Story and Arenado in that infield. Uh, they're still, I think, they can still contend. In that division, uh, granted, like you said, it's gonna it's gonna come down to pitching in the end. But I yeah. mean, in terms of the lineup, they can slug with the best of them. I mean, which by the way, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Arenado, man. This is a very 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 big year for Arenado. Oh, big year. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's gonna be he's gonna be a free agent coming up this off season. He's arguably 
the best third baseman in baseball behind maybe Chris Bryant, but I think last year he took oh. a step above that because Bryant was injured. Mm-hmm. But I I don't Aaron, think it's a debate. I think it's Arenado is the best. Multiple gold gloves and just mashes the ball every single year. Yeah. Arenado is is playing for his big payday, and it's going to be kind of tough to see how the Rockies handle this situation because they have some young guys in their system that they are favoring a lot. They like Brennan Rogers. We'll see how that goes, but I think Arenado is going to have just a huge year this year because he's playing for that big contract. Well, I'm almost certain that we're going to be talking about him and why he hasn't signed with the Major League Baseball team this time <laughs> next year. <laughs> he's going to be the next Bryce Harper this time so, year next year. <laughs> that's the way it's trending. I mean, you got J.D. and now you have Bryce Harper Machado. So next year, I think continuing the trend, it's going to be Aaron Otto. The big names, the big names. Um, all right, very early World Series picks. And then we'll move on, move on to the next subject. Dre, you're starting this one. Very <laughs> early World Series picks. Uh, well, starting. Let's start in the American League. Uh, I think you really have three teams, and then the rest, uh, with two of them being in the AL East, with the Red Sox, the defending champs, uh, the New York Yankees, and the Houston Astros. I know the Yankees did whatever they could to boost their rotation, which is nice because they addressed the true weakness, uh, and they're still in the running for Manny Machado. Uh, you have the Red Sox, who are the complete package. They have the MVP and Mookie Betts. They had the best free agent acquisition, and he also put up MVP-type numbers in JD. You have the rotation of Chris Sale. Uh, but, guys, if I'm picking a team, i got to pick the Houston Astros to go to the World Series out of the American League. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. <laughs> But I look at I look at the three headed monster. Well, I guess now it's two headed. Yeah, I was gonna say like they lost Keiko. Like <laughs> yeah, Keiko's not <laughs> they there. They lost Marwin yeah. Gonzalez. Like what? Well, come on, man. <laughs> I know, man. I know. But you gotta look at Verlander, Garrett Cole. That's a nice one two punch. We'll see what happens with Keiko. Uh, they could still bring him back, uh, to be honest. I mean, but uh, you right, got. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, nice little bullpen here. Davinsky and uh, Rondon, and then Roberto Zuna's closing. Uh, Altuve Bregman. Bregman was awesome last year. I know a lot of people didn't talk about how great he was, but man, he was phenomenal. Until he posted on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I bring that up, man. <laughs> you have him, Springer. They added Michael Brantley, which could be a very underrated uh, acquisition for them. Uh, another bat to put in the lineup. When Brantley's healthy, and he he puts up some good big numbers, too. He did it in Cleveland, then he got hurt, kind of disappeared. And now we got another chance with the Houston Astros to start out there in left field. Uh, so, I, for me, I'm picking them out of the American League. Uh, in the National League, you can make an argument, honestly, for you can make an argument for the four teams in the East. You can make an argument for three teams in the Central. Uh, and then in the West, you got the Dodgers, and we just talked about the Rockies. But it's uh, like a toss up in the National League. I feel like it is. Yeah. But I'm flipping a coin right now, and. Uh, it's gonna land on the Chicago Cubs. I gotta go with the Cubs. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not expect I, that. <laughs> I have to. Uh, looking at the Cubs, uh, they have one of the best five-man rotations in baseball. Uh, with you Darvish coming back healthy, they got Lesser, Hendricks, Hamels, Quintana, and Darvish. Uh, the lineup, top to bottom, is complete. Uh, 
with Javi playing shortstop. He was, again, an MVP-type caliber player. Chris Bryant's healthy. Rizzo's healthy. Zobra's playing second. Uh, they're only going to get better defensively whenever they get back. Uh, Addison Russell. So If. 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 I know they <laughs> sign him, but who knows? Who knows? You know, they got nice pieces off the bench. Ian Happ. That's a guy coming off the bench. You think about that. He's really good. And he's coming off their bench. He's going to get obvious starts. But I'm going with Cubs, I think, with their health back, uh, with that five-man rotation, uh, with Cole Hamels essentially kind of rounding that out. They're going to be the class of the National League Central and the class of the National League playing the Houston Astros in the World Series. Malik, what do you got? All right, so first off, I want to point this out right here for the AL West. I, I love the Houston Astros, but boys, do not sleep on the Oakland A's. Do not sleep on them this year, man. They have a very, very good rotation led by Sean Mania. I like him a lot, and Matt Chapman is probably one of my favorite players in all of baseball this year. He could arguably be in top three in best third baseman in all of baseball this year, to be honest with you. Don't hate me. I'm just throwing that out there. But uh, in terms of my World Series prediction, so I'm going to go in the American League to start off with. I personally think that it is going to come down to a two-team race between the Yankees and the Astros. And the reason I'm not going to include your Red Sox in this oh. is because I think they have, they have a great lineup. Do not get me wrong. I have issues with the bullpen. I Everyone personally had think the, bu- the bullpen last year. I, I had issues. I have issues with the bullpen, man. The bullpen <laughs> just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. I I cannot trust it just yet, and I am willing to choose between the Yankees and the Astros. I think the big X factor for the Yankees this year is to see if Gary Sanchez shows up. Gary Sanchez was supposed to be the third headed monster, the third person in that three headed middle lineup with Judge and Stanton. He had a rough year last year, and I expect big things for him this year. He I also love at times it seemed like he did. But the other thing too is I love, I love Gleyber Torres. I love Miguel Angular, and I think both of them, along with Brett Gardner, that's going to be a very very solid lineup for them. And I think they have a chip on their shoulder, especially after last year, and they improved the rotation, which was their big big weak point last year. And I like James Paxton a lot. So I'm going to say the Yankees, begrudgingly, are going to win the pennant this year in the American League. Now for the National League. Again, I can go in a lot of different directions here. My big dark horse for the National League is, I just touched on this, is the Washington Nationals, man. The Washington Nationals have a top-to-bottom underappreciated lineup that can do some wonders there. And the rotation is just absolutely nasty. You have Scherzer, you have Strasburg, and you have Corbin. Do you think Corbin is going to live up to his contract, though? I think he will do well his first two years, and then he'll drop off just like most contracts usually work out. But I think to start off with, when you have Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin as your big three, that's a solid big three to work with, man. I, I can't go wrong with that. Scherzer has never proven me wrong. He is disgusting when you watch him pitch. And honestly, I, I'm terrified for anyone to play against them, especially in the playoffs. So we shall see. I would not be surprised if the Nationals are the team that wins the East this year over the Braves. But in terms of the guys that I'm expecting to win the pennant, 
it, it's going to suck, and it's going to pain me to say this, but it's going to be the other big league market. It's going to be the Dodgers. From top to bottom, the rotation, the lineup, the bullpen, you have the system to also just get as many pieces as you want and not skip a beat because Andrew Freeman is an absolute genius when it comes to baseball operations. I'm going with the Dodgers and the Yankees. It seems like a cheap cop-out, but honestly, both teams have done enough in my eye to think that they are going to the World Series this year. And I am personally excited to see Corey Seager come back with a vengeance and win Comeback Player of the Year. I think Corey Seager's going to have a big year. I can agree with that. Oh, God, I can't wait to see him play. I can really agree with that. Um, I'm also intrigued to see how their lineup's going to look without Yasiel Puig being a distraction. Yeah. No, I I think that's a good point as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think their lineup's going to – like, I don't think there's going to be many changes. I think it's going to be a lot more consistent. I mean, because when you saw him in the playoffs this year, you saw Dave Roberts use, like, pretty much two different lineups if a lefty was on the mound or if a righty was on the mound opposite of them. Right. And I mean, I mean, if when Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, and, like, David Freeze are making significant contributions to your lineup on a day-to-day basis and you're not skipping a beat, there, there's some, there's something going on there. Like it's, it's. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're hitting coach. I don't know what. I, I can't explain it. But they just know what they're doing when it comes to hitting, mm-hmm. and they just breed that. They're, they're so good at it. It's crazy. I mean, I, mean, I think you guys know where my prediction's going. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. Say it. I mean, you know, they the Sox brought back a majority of their lineup, other than Ked Grimble. Um, they, I feel like they are going to make some moves once the once the ball drops. I mean, Dave Dombrowski has said throughout this off season that you know they're not in a hurry to make any moves. They're not going to go out and give Craig Kimbrell a absurd amount of money and mess up their future when they have to re-sign Mookie Betts and re-sign their young talent. And they still have Chris Sale to re-sign at some point in the near future. So um, I think the I think the Red Sox are going to go back to the World Series. Um, I'm just going to you know get that out there right now. Um, but I think I agree with you, Malik, as well. I think um, I think the Dodgers are going to go back. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Red Sox Dodgers for another year. Um, they're just I mean they kind they kind of did the same thing the Red Sox did. They just kind of reloaded with a different with a little bit of the same talent and brought in a couple new faces, but not enough to where like they're going to completely change, I guess, if you know what I mean. No, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. So it's going to, it's, it's going to be an interesting year, I think. Um, so let's get into the last topic of the night. Um, earlier this week, Kyler Murray came out. Kyler Murray came out. Oklahoma quarterback came out and said that he was dedicating his, all his time to becoming an NFL quarterback. He was drafted ninth overall by the Oakland Athletics in last year's draft. Guys, do you think he made the right decision? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Wholeheartedly yes. A thousand percent yes. And if he had a chance to do it again, he better do it again and not even think about it. Uh, I'm so adamant that he made the right call based off the fact that it is so much harder to make it a major league baseball than it is in the NFL. Uh, you got to go through all the minor league systems just to even get a shot at major league baseball. And the way that it is now, like he might not even get his shot until he's age 25. Uh, by that time, if he were to get drafted in the NFL, which right now it's a very good possibility he ends up in a top 15 
Uh, maybe as high as the top 10. And some people are talking about him going number one overall in the NFL draft to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but the point is, is that if he gets drafted, he's going to have he's going to have somewhere around twenty five million dollars by the time he's age twenty five. And if it doesn't work out, he could always transition from there to baseball. You saw Tim Tebow do it as a hitter. Uh, he transitioned when he was out of football for four to five years. I mean, Tim Tebow that... hadn't played baseball since he was like in high school. Yeah, and that was in a double A. <laughs> Which was really weird how that worked. That out, was yeah. strange. <laughs> and now he's in the double A system like it's nothing. Does Selling he out, does he make the major league teams. roster at some point? I think That's... he does this year. I think he will from a PR perspective, okay. yes. Okay, That's what, that yes. was my next question. I was going to be like, do you think it's from a PR perspective? perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. All in all, uh, to wrap this up with me and Tyler Murray, uh, yes, he better. Yes, he made the right decision. Absolutely, 100%. Malik, what do you got? So from, from my perspective, I had a very back-and-forth opinion about this. And for me, I looked at it from the money perspective. I thought in the long run, he could make more money playing baseball, especially with now where we are all in agreement that probably a work stoppage is going to happen within the next two years. That will essentially rewrite how money is essentially given out to baseball players. I mean, I think that's something that we can expect to see happening where players are going to be getting a lot more money moving forward. But after thinking about it kind of a bit more, I looked at it from a contract perspective and Dre is right about his rookie scale contract. He will probably make at least 25 mil on his rookie deal, which is a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. Your fifth-year option is not guaranteed. That's depending on how well you do. So even if you, if you are a total bust and your fifth-year option isn't picked up, Kyler Murray is going to be having a guaranteed four-year contract in the NFL. I still believe it's a four-year contract unless you're the Kareem Hunt situation, but that's something beside the point. Um, but looking at it, Kyler Murray is going to have four years in the NFL. Four-year deal, it'll be around the 20-something million, and if it doesn't work out, then yes, he can go back to baseball. He can play in the outfield for maybe two, three years and then get back into the majors. By the time that happens, I would say he'd be 28, 29, so he'd be right in the middle of his prime. Unfortunately, he's not going to make any big money at that point, but I do agree that the opportunity to become a household name and become a starting quarterback was worth it. And even if it doesn't work out, it, it does make sense that he can go back. He won't make as much as he could have if he stayed in baseball full full time. But if you think about it, the odds of you making 20-something million in baseball – you would have to be an elite level player at that point to eventually get there. And he's on the Oakland athletics, man. The A's are not known to be a team to give out contracts to their young guys. They're well content with going to arbitration and can he earn it? That's very accurate, but we've seen a lot of arbitration classes that go where you can get as high as maybe five or six mil a season. Honestly, from a money perspective, it was better for him to be a quarterback as painful as it is for me to say, I, I think in the long term, his body would have held up better as a baseball player. But short term, I think the financial gains were just too much for him to pass up. And I think the idea of him making a difference in the NFL was also worth it for him. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think if you if you look at his um, statistics from baseball 
in football from high school to college. I think it like it was a no it was a no brainer for him. It it seemed like he had so much more fun playing football than he did baseball. Um, I you know as I wrote my article yesterday after he you know he made he announced his decision decision. At thoughtsfromthebench.com, by the way, At check it out. Thoughtsfromthebench.com, check it out. Plug. <laughs> um, great article. Great article. <laughs> um, but I, I read a couple different articles just kind of about him because you know you don't really hear about Kyler Murray, the baseball player, other than he was drafted ninth overall for the athletics. I mean, I think, which I got to say, shocked me. Right. Uh, I was not, I wasn't expecting it. And I think that's another thing that needs to go into our arguments. Um, I think, yeah, I think the, the realistic our take on him was that he was more of like a comp, a second round pick at best. So it was kind of a reach when you saw it at that point. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a uh, from just looking at his statistics. He was a, like a two eighty six hitter, um, if I if I'm remembering correctly, and he he drove in like forty seven RBIs last year, like just things along those lines. But the most interesting part I kind of saw was I read an article with an Oklahoma newspaper with the the head baseball coach in their most recent um, media day, and he was like. At one point last season, Tyler or Kyler only practiced probably ten times with us. So everything on the baseball field was basically just pure talent, pretty much. He, you know, he Which didn't. Is scary. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't practice a lot with them. He was always on the road with the football team, things like that. And it's it's crazy to think about because he still had he still had a little. I mean, two eighty six isn't horrible. It's not horrible, but is it ninth overall pick worthy? It's kind of in that same mold where I think the eyes were playing were were the judge more so than the stats, which is weird from the ace perspective. But I think they saw the five tool potential from him as a as an outfielder. So yeah, that's hard to pass up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like more more of what he could be if he gave it his all, gave it a hundred percent. You know, every single day and went up to the system to learn exactly uh, how to play the game every day as opposed to just being there half-heartedly. Yeah. Which which I want to make this point very, very loud here. The the A's absolutely did not make a bad selection in this case whatsoever because there is no way when they made that selection that anyone would have thought Kyler Murray was going to win the Heisman this year. No, Honestly. No. I, I, nope. And no one thought that that was going to happen. So really the, the A's did everything right when it came to selecting him. They saw the talent. They thought that they could do well for him. They, the big thing about him going to Oklahoma, they were more concerned about him getting injured than they were about him, you know, lighting the world on fire. So honestly, it's it's not the worst thing that happened in this scenario. It's not like they are coming out of this with you know an egg on their face or something. It's just that Kyler showed the world on a bigger stage just how good he was, and unfortunately, he has to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and. It went, uh, and when you talk about him actually winning the Heisman for me, uh, I think he won it in the last three weeks of the season where Tua kind of fell off and Kyler really led his team up and vaulted them up to the college football playoff. Because the talk of Heisman, of the Heisman race, was Tua, 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 Tua every single week until, you know, you saw Oklahoma make that run. And he was the main reason because of that. So, you know, he kind of built, he kind of built his own name off of, you know, his, his legs and his arms. Uh, and he did that in both sports. I think it really helped improve his draft stock as a baseball player. Uh, and obviously, him on the Heisman helps him solidify his legitimacy as an NFL prospect. 
So uh, he was in the perfect position to really make the best choice for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he now has the opportunity to become the first player in professional sports history to be drafted in the first round of two professional sports which is crazy to think about it's it's incredible um the fact like i I honestly don't know if his talents will translate to the nfl i haven't really decided in my mind yet so i can't i can't decide if taking him in between pick one and 15 would be a reach but i'm i'm leaning on the side that it might be a reach what's your guys' opinion I mean, Dre and I both both are like draft geeks when it comes to this sense, so we kind of understand the logic here. Um, the thing about the NFL draft is if you are a team that desperately needs a quarterback, you are going to get up there and you are going to take him. Uh, I think in terms of the draft class this year, it's very, very strong in defensive players. Um, that's That's something that's kind of been a consensus moving forward. Uh, I think that the number one quarterback in this class to start was Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he was projected to go as high as six to the Giants, or if someone wanted to get in the top five over him and get him. Adding Kyler to this instance, he's going into the combine. He's going to put on a show. He's going to wow the scouts with his athleticism, just like Baker probably did. Um, and to me, I, I really think that he could get himself into a top five pick just from his athleticism because he has the Heisman Trophy and because, as as it always is in the NFL, desperate teams are going to make desperate picks. Yeah, and looking at, uh, looking at the teams that need a quarterback, uh, you're looking at a quarterback class that is really, really labeled as weak. If, uh, because in most classes, Kyler Murray would be considered too small, and there's no chance, no way that he's going to get picked over someone like Josh Allen who can throw the ball a mile. But it would only be because Josh Allen is 6'5", 6'6", and that's not right. But with with this class and with the way the NFL is becoming where you're seeing guys like Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and Drew Brees kind of have consistent – you know, having consistent concept, uh, success, uh, Kyler Murray is capitalizing on everything, including uh, including his NFL draft stock, where he knows that teams are desperate enough to get a quarterback. And they're going to trade. And you, you might even see some teams trade up to get him as opposed to waiting. Uh, just because, again, if you, need a, if you need a franchise quarterback, that's they always say that's the pick you cannot whiff on. That's the one you can't wait on. Because the Browns did it for years, and they finally got it right with Baker Mayfield. But they did it for over they did it for over twenty years, where they traded. They did it three straight years, where uh, they pass on Wentz and Goff, and you know guys like that, and uh, Jameis Winston and Mariota. Like you can't pass up the opportunity to get a franchise quarterback if you think that's your guy. Gonna go get him, and Kyler Murray is gonna fit that bill to some NFL franchise who's desperate for a QB. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, guys. Um, I'm really, really excited. Not going to lie. Yeah, me too. It's baseball season. It's the best time of the year. Um, But that's all (laughs) we got for you guys tonight. Thank you for joining us on the first episode of Heart of the Order. Join us once a week, usually going to be Tuesday or Thursday tonight. We're we're recording Tuesday night. Um, But join us, thoughtsfromthebench.com, Heart of the Order for Dre and Greg. I'm Greg McAfee. Thank you for joining us, guys. Hope you have a great night. Thanks, guys.
Take care. Peace.